You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. It is Thursday, June 10th, and today, everyone is talking about E3, the big gaming convention where they announce all the hottest video games coming up. Yeah, all the games that you can't play because they still don't have enough PlayStation 5s or the new Xboxes. I mean, what the hell, people? I'm so desperate for a PS5, I tried jamming a PS2 into a PS3, and it didn't work technically, per se, but the graphics you see while you're getting electrocuted are pretty dope. I mean, how are we this far into 2021 and still having a video game console shortage? The only new electronics I've got is this microchip from the COVID vaccine, and I can't play Halo on it. In fact, can't they change some of the vaccine factories and switch them over to console factories? I know it's important to live, I know, but is being alive worth it if I can't play Grand Theft Auto 6, huh? And when is Grand Theft Auto 6 coming out? Or they're just gonna keep re-releasing Grand Theft Auto 5? Just gonna keep on doing this as an online thing? Anyway, on tonight's show, Joe Biden is backpacking across Europe. Jeffrey Tubin is revealing himself on TV and why America might not be ready to get back to normal. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the big international news. Joe Biden, President of the United States and man who signs every text message like it's an email, arrived in Europe yesterday for his first foreign trip as president and his first trip to England since the ribbon-cutting ceremony at Stonehenge. And it looks like he's already making headlines. This morning, President Biden is in England, where he's set to meet with Prime Minister Boris Johnson before the start of the G7 summit. Mr. Biden is also expected to announce a historic COVID vaccine donation to low-income nations. 200 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine this year, 300 million by the first half of next year, all going to 92 countries who need it the most. One of the key sort of highlights of their visit together will be this re-signing, this reaffirmation, as it were, of the Atlantic Charter, a new Atlantic Charter modeled after that post-war declaration from 1941 between FDR and Winston Churchill, uh, focusing on the cooperation between the two nations. It'll highlight things like defense and trade, climate change, and a shared effort to combat cyber threats as well. That's right, people. Joe Biden and Boris Johnson are updating the Atlantic Charter that was first signed back in 1941. And both sides got some concessions, right? The UK agreed to limit the number of royal refugees that they'll send to the US. And in exchange, the US agreed to start putting the letter U back into words again. Plus, the UK will produce more Harry Styleses and the US will start calling soccer football and football brain ouchie time. Everybody wins. But that is also a huge announcement that Biden made over there. The United States is donating 500 million vaccines to the rest of the world, which seems generous until you remember that Biden can't get anyone else in America to take them, right? So it's kind of like giving your friend that old exercise bike that you've just been hanging your clothes on. And let me be the first to say, on behalf of the international community, thank you to all the anti-vaxxers in America. The people of the world would not have these vaccines 
if it wasn't for your commitment to believing whatever the dumbest guy from your middle school posted on Facebook. You guys are the real heroes. Moving on now to some breaking science news. We're all familiar with the oceans of the world, right? Atlantic, Pacific, uh, posh and sporty. Well, as of today, there's a new ocean in town. It may well be time to toss out all of your old world maps because there's a big change to tell you about. National Geographic announced this week it would now officially recognize a fifth ocean called the Southern Ocean. Geographers say the swift current circling Antarctica keeps the waters distinct and worthy of their own name. National Geographic says its map policy committee has actually been considering this change for several years. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You guys just found a new ocean on a planet that's been around for, I don't know, like 800 years? Was it hiding behind an iceberg or something? I just like, I don't get how we didn't realize this sooner. It's like, it's like discovering that your apartment has a second kitchen under the sofa. Huh, well, I guess I just never looked under here before. And by the way, I love how this whole thing is just a statement by National Geographic. Because you realize they're not part of the UN or anything, right? They're just a magazine but they're the magazine about nature, so we all go with it. Oh, National Geographic says it, yes, yes. It's almost like if Playboy announced that there's a third boob, we'll all be like, well, I haven't seen it, but if Playboy says it, it's gonna be true. But I have to ask, have humans learned nothing from colonization? We shouldn't go around drawing borders around the places we don't live, right? That should be up to the fishes who live there. And that's why I went under the sea to ask them about it in person. Hello, my fish friends. Where would you like us to draw your borders? What? No, why don't you go back to where you came from? You racist ass fish. I'm gonna say that to me, I'm trying to be your friend. I'll see you at sushi. I don't even know where fish learned the N word. In other science news, let's talk about death. It's when you get canceled by nature. But if you've been looking for a loophole, a new discovery might just give you some hope. Well, listen to this story. Scientists say a tiny worm has come back to life after being frozen underground for 24,000 years. I'm not sure how they know that, but they say the microscopic organism you see here, even though it's not thrilling, well, Russian scientists say they found it in the permafrost lands of northeastern Siberia and transported it to a Russian lab to examine its biology and history. Scientists say the worm has by far the longest recorded survival period in a frozen state. Wow. A worm coming back to life after 24,000 years. What a miracle of science and nature and life. I'll give you five bucks if you eat that thing. And you know, we always think about things from our perspective as humans, but can you imagine what it was like for that worm? I mean, that worm was probably surprised to see human scientists around him because 24,000 years ago, we were all just cavemen. That's how much things can change in 24,000 years. In fact, all those people who go into cryogenic storage now they might wake up in 24,000 years and find out that the worms are now in charge. Well, well, well. If it isn't the guy who dissected my ancestor in seventh grade biology, how the tables have turned. Also, uh, no disrespect to worms, but it's probably easier to survive getting frozen when you're a worm. I mean, worms don't have a whole lot going on. You know, they're pretty much just a mouth and a butt. That's it. 
pretty sure God was running out of ideas for animals. Then he saw that cardboard thing in the middle of a paper towel roll and he was like, okay, that's a living thing now. And finally, some big media news today. CNN analyst Jeffrey Tubin returned to the air for the first time in eight months and had to have a pretty painful conversation about why he hasn't been on TV. I feel like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you. So uh, I guess I'll recap. I'll do the honors. <laughs> Help yourself. Okay. <laughs> um, in October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right, sad to say. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible, but I mean, that, that, is, part of, that, that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly confess, um, trying to be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly am going to continue to do. But I am trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. Uh, you, I can't watch. Oh man, I cannot think of anything more awkward to watch than that interview. Okay, maybe one other thing. And you know, I bet the awkwardness lasted after that interview too, because you know that Jeffrey Tubin doesn't trust cameras anymore, right? And cut. All right, Jeffrey, we're clear. So the camera is off. Yep. I'm just gonna smash that camera with a hammer if you don't mind. You know, I don't know if you picked this up, but one thing I don't get is when he says he's been working in a food kitchen. Like, I mean, that's great, don't get me wrong, but I don't really see the connection with what he did. You know, if anything, that's just unfair to the people at the food kitchen. Hello, would you like a piece of fruit? Uh, no, thank you. I think I'll go a couple more days without eating. But let's move on now to our top story. Thanks to America's successful vaccine campaign, millions of Americans are finally getting back to doing the things they used to do before the pandemic, like going out to restaurants, seeing friends, and then shit-talking those friends to another group of friends. Yeah, I know what you said about me, Mary. People talk. But apparently, a lot of people aren't quite ready to be part of society again. And we'll tell you why in another edition of Return to Normalish. <laughs> Of all the things people are looking forward to going back to, one of the biggest is live sports. The roar of the crowd, the sounds of the game, the smell of the armpits of the guy sitting next to you. <sighs> ah, you don't get that at home. Unfortunately, a lot of fans seem to have forgotten that they're only paying to watch the athletes, not to commit their own personal fouls. The return of packed arenas and other venues is an image worth celebrating but it appears some fans have forgotten how to act. The latest edition of People Behaving Badly occurred during game four of the 76ers versus the Wizards with a fan rushing the floor. You can tell those people have been in 
some kind of captivity for the past year year and change. It follows a string of other ugly incidents during the NBA playoffs. Popcorn dumped on the Wizards' Russell Westbrook, a New York Knicks fan spitting on the Atlanta Hawks' Trey Young, and a water bottle thrown at Nets star Kyrie Irving. Chaos erupts at last night's USA-Mexico soccer match at Denver's Mile High Stadium. A bottle thrown at young American star Gio Reyna's head. Later, a fan was also tackled by stadium security after he ran into the pitch. God damn, sports fans are going crazy. They're spitting on the players, they're throwing things at them, and don't even get me started on that crazy fan who got into a fight with Floyd Mayweather. If this keeps up, the stadium employees are gonna have to start using the T-shirt cannon as an actual weapon. And you know the situation is bad when fans are throwing popcorn and bottles because people at an NBA game, that's like 80 bucks worth of concessions. Like, I'm sure as hell not throwing my snacks. I took out a loan to buy that popcorn. I worked too hard. Of course, a lot of getting back to normal is just doing everyday stuff again. You know, like actually shopping inside a store. Because during the pandemic, a lot of people simply ordered things online, ordered curbside pickup, or just pointed a huge magnet at a store and hoped something metal flew out. But apparently, a lot of people could use a refresher course on how to behave at the mall. Clothing retailers are looking to take action against unruly and abusive customers. A dozen retailers, including Gap and H&M, they're collaborating on a campaign this fall to enlist customers to combat bad behavior against retail workers. The campaign comes as workers face increased harassment as they try to enforce Hmm. social distancing and mask protocols during the pandemic. Organizers say the campaign is not asking customers to physically step in to stop altercations. They're not asking that but rather to help de-escalate the situation and show support for workers. Wait, so The Gap wants customers to de-escalate fights at their stores, but not physically, just show support for the workers? So, so, so how does this work? We're just supposed to be forming a cheer circle around the fights? You can do this, Rhonda! Don't get punched! Bob and weave, girl! But more importantly, Why the hell are people harassing and abusing store employees to begin with, huh? People in stores deserve respect. They work long hours. They help you find what you need. And on top of all of that, they tell you that you can pull off that jumpsuit, which is why you pull off that jumpsuit, because it's all about confidence. But it seems like right now, some of the biggest failures at returning to society are happening on airplanes. After a year of staying at home, you would think that people would be happy to just get on a plane, eat their pretzels, and take the world's most painful nap. But instead, people are turning airplanes into their own personal rage rooms. With air travel on the rise nationwide, so too are violent incidents, both in the airport and in mid-air. Assaults on flight attendants are skyrocketing. They say they've been pushed, punched, slapped, even choked by unruly passengers. The FAA usually handles 150 incidents of unruly passengers in a year. So far this year, there have been 2,500 cases. American Airlines is holding off on bringing full alcohol service back on their planes for some. The company is extending that suspension until at least September 13th after incidents involving unruly passengers on other airlines. The airline still is gonna allow alcohol sales for first class and for business class cabins. I'm sorry, first class gets booze, but economy doesn't? And they think that's gonna end the violence? Did no one at American Airlines see Snowpiercer? If they really want to stop fights, 
They shouldn't get rid of alcohol. They should make you drink until you pass out for the rest of the flight. Yeah, you either get zero shots or 14. There's no in-between. But the real issue is that people are getting into fights on airplanes. Guys, this is the last place in the world that you should be fighting. And given how tight space is in economy, I'm even surprised that it's possible. Do you know how much effort you have to put into actually throwing a punch in coach on a plane? What did you say to me? What? Man, I'ma kick your ass. I'm, excuse me, excuse me, can I, excuse me, can I just, man, I, excuse me, can I, man, you know what? When we land and you get up and I get up and we got the bags and we, I'm, I'ma kick your ass. I'm, excuse me, let me just get back. I'm, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Although the truth is some people are just assholes who want to fight. And let's be honest, you're never gonna get rid of them. So maybe, just maybe the better solution is to just find a way to put them all in the same place. Do you want to travel and take out your pent-up pandemic aggression on customer service employees? Hell yeah, you do. But society won't let you punch a flight attendant. Until now. Introducing Throwdown Air, the only airline with no rules on your behavior or ours. Our flight attendants are trained in MMA, hopped up on junk meth, and ready to f*** you up. Can I interest you in some peanuts, crackers, or cookies? Then come and get him, fat boy. Other airlines don't want you to bring weapons on board. At Throwdown Air, you have to. And if you knock out the pilot, then congrats, you're the new pilot. Either way, once we're in the air, we're not landing until everyone on board is bleeding out. On other airlines, the flight attendants would tell me to put my face mask on. But at Throwdown Air, they just shove one down my throat and body slam me into the beverage cart. Thanks, Throwdown Air. So if you're an asshole who assaults people doing their jobs, then fly the airline for people just like you. Throw down air. Once the wheels are up, the shit goes down. All right, when we come back, gaming star FaZe Nick Merckx will be here to discuss landing on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. Stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. My first guest is Nick Kolchev, known in the gaming world as Nick Merckx. He's here to talk about being one of FaZe Clan's biggest streamers, the rise of esports, and being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Nick Kolchev, AKA Nick Merckx. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. What's up, T? <laughs> it's good to be happy to be here, man. Oh man, L- let me start by saying, I, in all my years of gaming, never dreamed I would see the day. And I'm so happy that gamers would be on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. You, you are literally on the cover with the team of FaZe Clan of Sports Illustrated. Please tell me that that is beyond a dream come true. Oh my God, are you kidding me, man? Yeah, the, dude, listen. I mean, I come from a sports family. I played all kinds of sports growing up. My, my whole family is deep into sports, college sports, like pro sports, serious stuff. And I'm like the black sheep. So the irony of me being on Sports Sports Illustrated as a gamer almost got my dad spinning right now, man. He's just like, oh my God. It's crazy, crazy stuff, T, for real, man. For those who don't know, you are a professional gamer. You are part of one of the g- biggest gaming clans in the world. And you are one of the biggest streamers on YouTube and on Twitch. But for those who wouldn't understand, for those who are watching this going like, wait, what's happening here? Can you explain to them why people would want to watch someone else play a video game? 
I, it's, I, you know what, man? First of all, I don't know, but the, the way I wrap my head around it, I, I, I is, is g- gaming's huge. And I remember growing up, you know, I, I all, I loved football. I would idolize Tom Brady, you know, just the NFL guys. And, and I didn't want to watch them play. And now right. there's a lot of kids that are growing up and they're playing video games, just like you and me did T and they want to watch people that go up on the stages and win the cardboard checks. You know, there, there's an attraction to watching people that are that are great at things. Like you and hosting your show, man, not, no, no, nobody can do it like you. There's a reason you're up here. There's a reason you have your uh, show. You, same, same thing, man. But I would love to know from your side how you've turned something that was seen as a fringe thing, playing these video games, into the business that you've created. Because now, FaZe Clan is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You guys are franchising. You guys have fans. You guys have stadiums that are sold out when you're doing your events. Tell me how you you shifted from we play games with our friends to this is a new business that everyone's trying to invest in. That's a tough question, but it's a it's a great question because it is, it is for sure a business now. There, there's a lot of people jumping in. Ga- gaming's becoming just a real normal thing nowadays, you know? Um, I got to give a shout out to my team because, I, I mean, Trevor, I, I, listen, man, I, I'm great at pressing the buttons on their controller, man, but I'm, I'm kind of a dumbass, you know? So so <laughs> when it comes to business and being business savvy and stuff, I mean, I've learned along the way, but it's, it's you know, it's really weird, man. I, 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 I consider myself just, just super fortunate. I'm one of the people on planet Earth that do something every day that I love. And I know it's right. cliche to say, but I love this, man. Like, I, I was playing sports in high school. I was, I had a 2.0 GPA. I was hanging on by a thread. My family wanted to send me away. I mean, the attitude problems, the whole shebang. I mean, I, I knew the only thing that I ever did that I loved was to play the halo and play the cop. Right, play right, the right, right. So I guess to answer your question, I think it's kind of lucky in, in some, in some ways, but it, it was easy to, to turn into a business when I didn't even know it was a business. I mean, I, I was just doing something that I, that I love to do with all my buddies and, you know, Justin TV turned into Twitch. Right. And before you knew it, my, my 80 viewers turned into a thousand and the cardboard check for 10 K turned into a hundred K and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I kind of lucked out, man. I was, you know, I was, I'm definitely good at the I, games I, mean, you, I play. You, but, say, but, you say, you say you lucked out, but man, Nick, let me tell you something. This is something I never appreciated about streamers is how hard you guys work because on an average day, how many hours a day do you stream? Six to eight, maybe, you know? Six to eight hours, you are there grinding away. This is you, six to eight hours. You're engaging the people, you're playing the game, you're breaking it down. So let me ask you this. What do you think about the future of gaming and where do you think it's going? Because this is what's changed in the world. Gaming used to be a solitary experience. You play Mario Brothers, maybe you play with the people around you. Now you play with anyone, anywhere, anytime. And now because of people like you, there's big money in it and there's big viewership in it. Some of the biggest e-athletes earn the same as athletes in the NBA or the NFL. You've made it so that you're not tied to the game. People want to be with FaZe Clan. People want to be with Nick Merckx. It doesn't matter if it's Fortnite. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's Call of Duty. People want to be with you. How do you think you're going to keep growing that? And why do you think it's growing at the rates it has? I mean, I, I've been in the gaming scene for half my life. Very, very long time. And, and it, it is just consistently just... You know, I mean... It's it's something that we can all do. Anybody can play a game. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't need to be great at it. I got buddies of mine that I stream with every day that are wildly <laughs> successful. Wildly, <laughs> that are not so great, Trev. I'm telling you right now, man. You know, shout out to my boy Timmy. It's all love, though. Um, I think that the the important thing to focus on and why I think it's going to keep growing is be, is that anybody can do it in any right. in any stage of life. You know, you can't. 
I can't put on my football pads anymore, Trev. I'm gonna get laid out, man. I can't do it. But but I can sit down and play video games with you know K1 or or or, or uh, Bronny. I can play. I can play. You know, right. I can't play basketball with him, but I can play Call of Duty with him. You know, right. So right. I think that that's an important takeaway. You know, now as to what I'm gonna be doing specifically to 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 grow my brand and do and do my thing, uh, just more of the same, man. You know, we we've built a community. It kind of it kind of goes above just the just the normal viewer in a in a twitch right, box right, right. It i mean it's a legit community i got i got people that have met in my chat box that are married now i mean that that's real life so i'm gonna keep doing my, i'm gonna keep doing my thing I, I, i'm definitely gonna keep slaying and trying to push that you know that idea and that plan that gamers don't don't need to be skinny little nerds or, or big 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 beefy no man i mean you can you can be you can be athletic. You can game. And I think that's what was awesome about the about the whole Phase Clan thing that we did, man. The, the Sports Illustrated was that those athletes, they they're gamers, man. They're they and a lot of them are good. Bronny's a, a baller, man. I mean, K one can play, so right. I think that's I think that's a really really important thing. I'll tell you this, man. As somebody who was stuck indoors for many hours a day, I appreciated what you were doing. I appreciate the joy you bring into people's lives. I think that's why you're so successful. Shout out to the rest of Phase. Congratulations on everything that you guys have done because, hey man, as you say, everybody is and can be a gamer and I appreciate that you guys opened it up to everybody. Enjoy yourself. Good luck with everything you do and I'll see you again. Thanks, buddy. You can check out FaZe Nick Merckx next week on Sports Illustrated's July cover or anytime on Twitch and YouTube. All right, when we come back, the star of the hot new summer movie In the Heights, Anthony Ramos, will be joining me on the show. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. My next guest tonight is award-winning actor and singer, Anthony Ramos. He's here to talk about his new album and his starring role in one of this summer's most anticipated movies. Anthony Ramos, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. What's up, what's up, Trevor? Thanks for having me, my man. Yo, man, I have to have you because today is a special day. I'm not talking about the movies you're doing. I'm not talking about the big moves you're making in music, no. Today's a special day because I heard you just got your driver's license. Congratulations. Yo, I got that license, my brother. <laughs> we tell your mother to be up in these streets. That's how you know, you know what? That's how you know you are a native New Yorker is when you're, what are you, 29 now? I'm 29, man. Yeah. 29 and you're only getting your license now. I just got this movie, man. I'm out here shooting this Transformers movie in Montreal and they want me to do these car stunts and they were like, yo, my man, let me tell you who's not doing stunts <laughs> unless you go ahead and get, <laughs> we putting you on this rig if you don't get this license. Did you even tell your instructor why you were doing this? Did you say, yo, I need to pass this thing because I'm doing Transformers, man? I ain't telling her anything. She, she was so, she wasn't even about it. She was just like, she got up in the car. She's like, um, is your car sanitized? I was like, yo, my bad. I was using my mother's car. And I was, my mom didn't have anything in her car. I ran to my boy's car real quick, sanitized the car. She was like, okay, thank you. And then we finished the test. Yo, I'm talking about she was cold, bro. Congratulations on the driver's license. And now let's talk about all the big moves you're making. First and foremost, one of the most hotly anticipated films of the year, In the Heights. It's finally coming out in theaters and on HBO Max. And you, my friend, are the star of the show. Tell me about what it feels like to get to this moment and why you think this film is so special to do it with. I mean, I'm, look, man, I'm, I'm grateful. Wow. Audition for the show when I was 19, didn't get it. I eventually booked it, uh, a role in it, uh, in, in a show that was happening in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then later on, I meet Lynn and we did Hamilton and, and fast forward, you know, 
we were able to shoot the movie after you know ten years from 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 the first time I auditioned and didn't get right. That tour, right. You know, so uh, and this show means a lot to me, and I'm I'm grateful that uh that I get to be a part of it in in any way, and and um and and it just feels like it feels like a story celebrating life and celebrating us coming back and. And uh, not only a, a story about music and culture and this community of people who are just getting after it every single day and loving on each other in the midst uh, of whatever hardships are thrown at them and, and people who are dreaming big, you know, like it feels like a celebration of, of life and us coming out of the other side of what we've all been through. You feel that coming back into the world today. Um, and what, what, what I think what makes this, 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 this story so special is that it is quintessential, but at the same time, it feels fresh. You know, it's a fresh cast. It's a, it's a group of talented people who've come together under the guidance of Lin-Manuel Miranda, who you count as one of your fans. I want to know what that relationship has been like for you. Like, I mean, I learned something from him every day, how he navigates through the world, you know, and how my man's changing the lyric here and there. My man's making adjustments here and there, right? I think he's, he's a genius. And uh, I think a part of his brilliance is, um, number one, right, when to know when to lean in and also when to let go and let his collaborators mm. do what they got to do, right? We're going to put together the best group of people we can to make this thing as fly as possible. We don't need this person on the marquee. It's not about, it's, it's, it's not about one person in the show. It's about the people in the show and it's about the story. That's what it's about. You know, I'm grateful for our relationship. You know, this is like the fourth thing we've done together. And, right. Um, if he hadn't written this role for himself, that this role wouldn't be... Uh, I wouldn't be doing it. We wouldn't even probably not be talking right now. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's interesting that you say that it's, it's not about that one person. It's not about the marquee. It's about the collective effort and all the people who bring the work in to make it so special because, you know, Latinos are some of the, the biggest moviegoers. And yet on screen, you very seldom will see Latino characters like leading the, the you know, the, the charge, like where they'll get leading roles. And, and, right. and this feels like something special, you know? T- tell me what, what that's like for you because you had the dream for Anthony. And you've got to acknowledge this. There's also a dream for a lot of people out there who, whether they're in New York or not, are going like, yo, that's us. In the moment, right, I'm just like, yo, I'm just trying to do my best to tell this story as honestly right. as possible and be my best in this particular role. And then, you know, and then it's another thing when people are like, yo, do you understand what y'all are doing for the community and for the culture? And, like, that feels good to hear that, you know, but I... I, I really think all of us who are part of this film are standing on the shoulders of so many people who didn't have this opportunity. I hope that, you know, not only Latinos, but just people uh, around the world who feel like they've not been presented in this one medium, right, of movies and Hollywood and, and motion pictures, right, that right. they... That, that that they can begin to see characters that resemble them and and because that's what the that's the world people who feel like they've been underrepresented in this business we got to start banging on the door a little bit and we got to be like yo I have a story to tell you know what and if no one else is going to write it I'm going to write it the more that the, those communities of those people do that right the more of these stories uh, will be told and I think the 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 the, the further along we'll get in the process or in the progress of seeing uh, the world represented right, in right, Hollywood right. in movies. Yeah, man. You know, in a testament to your talent, we've seen so many people in the industry banging down your door now. You know, you, you're starring in In Treatment on HBO. You know, you are going to be in a new Transformers movie, right? You are also... I, I, you were doing a campaign with Megan Thee Stallion with, for Calvin Klein. I mean, and then on top of that, on top of all of that, 
You've got your second album coming out. Tell me more about the album and what people can expect. I mean, Love and Lies, I said the first album, you know, The Good and the Bad was story time. And it was this kind of autobiographical uh, story about my life and how I grew up and sort of it became this narrative. Um, and uh, the second album, this is like the Nitro at Six Flags. We, we <laughs> I'm just, I'm taking you on a ride, yo. And it's nonstop beats. It's, it's, we got reggaeton vibes. We got freestyle vibes. We got, um, you know, we got the Caribbean Afro beats vibes, right, R&B right. vibes, like the, 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 uh, you know, ballads, pop vibes, right? Like electronica, like it's, there's every kind of flavor for the palette, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, I said, the goal is on this album, 12 bangers. That's all I care about. I'm so proud of this record. It's the best music I've ever written, man. And I, I haven't been this excited to put anything out. Um, I haven't been as excited to put something out as I am um, for this album. 12 bangers, no skips, 12 bangers. 12 smashes. I'll tell you this now, man. If it's half as good as any of the other things that you've put your effort into, it's gonna be a smash hit. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. And hopefully I'll see you again when Transformers comes out. Don't crash the car. Don't get too arrogant. You just got the license, Anthony. We want to see you alive. I know. I'm going to take it slow, brother. I'm going to take it slow. <laughs> I, can make, I can make it back to you, bro. I appreciate you, my dude. Me, Have a good one, yeah? In the Heights is in theaters and on HBO Max right now. And Anthony's album, Love and Lies, comes out June 25th. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, please consider supporting an organization called the Brave Space Alliance. They're a black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ center on the south side of Chicago, and your donation helps them provide life-saving resources like support groups, HIV prevention options, and housing and food services for the entire LGBTQ community of Chicago. If you are able to help in any way, go to the link below and donate what you can. Until next time, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, the only people that you should be fighting on planes are Al-Qaeda or anyone who takes off their socks. They're both terrorists. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 